You are listening to More Than a Season podcast with Ashley and Brittany. Join us as we walk through what life is like supporting someone within the sports industry. Real, authentic, behind-the-scenes look at what the support system experiences but no one discusses. Grab a drink, sit back, and listen because we are about to get real. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Stop listening. Press pause. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the ratings and reviews. Select five stars and give us a review. And if you're on Spotify, click our podcast page and click follow and download to listen to all of our episodes. Thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Hey, friends. Welcome back. We are so excited to have a special guest here. We have Christy Hendricks. Hi, everyone. We are so excited to have her. She is in the baseball world. And so we are going to hand it over to her. Well, my name is Christy Hendricks. I'm married to Liam Hendricks, who is a pitcher for the Oakland A's. East Bay Rockin'. We have been with the A's now. This is our fifth season. But I have been in the game since 2010. And my husband has been in the game since 2007. My husband is also one of the only major league pitchers, actually players that is an Australian, um, born and raised. His whole family is actually still there. So um, it's just us here. We have no children, but we have tons of fur babies. I mean, we just live this crazy, crazy life. And so you said that you started this baseball journey in 2010. So was he in the minors at that point? Yes. So my husband was in the minors at that point. I actually met him through a mutual friend and our mutual friend had had knee surgery and we happened to visit him in the hospital on the same day. So we were in Florida at that point. He was in high A. He was an international draft pick from Australia by the Minnesota Twins. So it's a little different than being drafted out of high school or college. It's um, international signing money. That is is where it's allotted to. And um, he came over in 2007, had spine surgery in 2008. So he missed that complete season. And then in 2010, he was in high A. And when you talk about like serendipitous, like meeting, like I have no other way to explain that because I had been putting off seeing my friend in the hospital, which sounds awful, but I lived about 45 minutes away and I knew I had meetings on the Friday in the city in which he was at the hospital. So I was like, you know, I'll just bring you lunch there. Kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone. I was working full time for the government at that point. So, you know, you kind of have to like space your life accordingly. And that was the day that I had time and Liam actually brought him lunch the same day. And that's how we met. <laughs> so did he have like some pickup line or some thing that he said to you like to get it started? Because those accents are tricky. Like I went to Australia <laughs> for study abroad. And there's some beautiful sounding people over there. So I wonder if like, when he spoke or what did he do to like get you on that first date? Well, actually we didn't date for a few months. So I met him and I thought I was like, okay, well, you're very nice. He had actually, he was on the DL. He had had appendicitis and it got his appendix taken out. So that was why we happened to be able to meet at the same time. Cause if not, he would have been on the road playing. So he's on the DL and he was like, I'm alone. And so I'll go see our friend. His name's Dan. He's like, I'll go see Dan, you know, to kill some time too. So, I just remember he was sitting there. Dan is talking about his knee and showing us everything that happened with him. And Liam gets in this spare wheelchair and starts doing wheelies. And I literally remember being like, I hope he falls and cracks his head. Like, this is so immature. Like, I like, oh my God, this is awful. And so I was not 
you know, oh gosh, she's so great. Like at first I was like, no, this kid is so annoying. Like what in the world did I get myself into, you know? But then I, I felt kind of bad for him because like he was so nice and he was just saying like, I have no friends here. All my friends that I have are in baseball and they're traveling right now and they're gone for like 10 days. So I have nothing to do. So I was like, well, I mean, he could hang out with me and my friends. Why not? Like he seems chill as long as he doesn't do wheelchair wheelies. Like I think we'll be cool. And so after I had met him, I reached out to him on Facebook. It was before Instagram was a thing. And I just sent him a message and said, Hey, I'm going out and getting dinner, you know, with all my friends tonight, if you want to join. And he was completely taken aback by that. Like, I wish he could be on this with me because he would have been like, I didn't know how to respond to her because, you know, people don't just invite people out with their group of friends. And he was like, I thought you were really pretty and fun. And so I didn't really want to hang out with you and your friends, but it was one of those well, if that gets me an in, then I'm in. And looking back at that, I find it so funny because I'm just like, I'm the most casual person ever. Like I would invite you two out to dinner after meeting you for five minutes. I didn't take it as like, oh, we're going to date and get married one day. I was just like, oh, cool, a new friend. And then we didn't even actually go on our first official date for like three months. So, <laughs> And then the rest is history. And then now you're married. <laughs> it's so crazy. So this is an intense story. But um, we went on our first date on September 6th of 2010. We went to TGI Fridays because we couldn't afford anything else. And we were like, okay, we can split the appetizer deals and stuff and get more for our money. And it's like two for one margaritas and beer. And so it felt like more like a date night. And then from there, we were going to see a movie. And honestly, I can't even remember what movie we went to see, but we came out of the movie theater and my dad had called me and my dad and I have a great relationship, but he doesn't call me at 1030 at night ever. And so I called him back and my grandma had died on our first date, which is one awful because now you get to see me be the most emotional wreck of my life. And then a year to the day on my grandmother's first passing anniversary, I guess you would call it, Liam debuted in the major leagues. So it was such a crazy time because I remember sitting in the stands, his family could not make it because by the time he was called up, there just was no flights to get there from Perth, Australia, all the way to Minneapolis in time. And I remember sitting there in the stands by myself really soaking in the minutes, you know, of watching him and throw his bullpen like on the jumbotron and then, you know, hearing the national anthem. And I'm like, gosh, like this is such an exciting moment in his life and in my life. And also it's such a sad moment in my life because my grandmother was like my rock my entire life. But in saying that it was such a, a moment of this was exactly how it was meant to be. So like, I wouldn't be as sad as I probably would have been on that day. And I just think that that's where Liam and I were both Christians and we just look at it like that was so meant to be. God totally put that in our life for a reason. And um, that's that. <laughs> wow. That's such a perfect story, though. I feel like you're so right. It's so meant to be. When he got his call to get called up, were you guys still – did he go all the way up, like, double, triple to the majors or – yeah. So he, so he was in rookie ball and then he obviously had his spine surgery in 2008 before I met him. And then, you know, he had to work his way back up the system again. So he has been in every single level that you can be in. And when I met him, he was in high A, then he finished that season in high A. 
the next year he started in double A, then mid season was called up to triple A. And then I was actually visiting him in Rochester, which is where the triple A affiliate is for the twins. And I had just left because it was end of season and I was going home. I had to go back to work and he called me probably like two hours after I had already been home and said, you have to pack because I just got called back up. So, and I was like, call back up to what, you know? And he's like, no, like I got called up. And it was one of those moments where I've never cried about it in happiness. You see so many videos on like Instagrams where people are crying and stuff and I didn't. And I think that's like a testament of just like the happiness we felt. Don't get me wrong. I have cried a ton in baseball when there's the quote of like, there's no crying in baseball. I'm like, I cry almost every day. But when he got called up, it was just absolute happiness. And plus like I was naive too. I had no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was actually my next question was, because he went through all the ranks. So that is a lot of emotion. What I have learned from baseball, if I've learned anything is all of the different levels. That is a lot to go through (laughs) for one person and a significant other. So how did you like deal with that of like, okay, I'm going to make the best of this. So I think like, in a way, I was weirdly born for this lifestyle. My parents got divorced when I was really young. So I was used to moving around. I'd have to go spend every other weekend with different parents. And then, you know, my dad got remarried and we moved and then I moved with my dad and then I moved back with my mom. And so I've never really had like a secure sense of what home is. Home was always just like who I was around. You know, I'm, I'm a huge believer in friends are your family. It's, it's what you make of it and how you experience those emotions together. And so when he was moving up, I didn't actually travel with him full time until we were engaged and he was in the major leagues. Yes, he got sent up and sent down, but I didn't do like the lifestyle. I was very much like, I don't know what this is going to look like for you. You're from Australia. If you don't have baseball, you don't have a green card. You have just a visa to work for baseball. Like what's going to happen? I have to take care of myself and help take care of you because if anyone in baseball knows anything in the minor leagues, you don't make a lot of money. At one point, um, he was in double A and I was working three jobs. I was working a normal, you know, 40 hour a week job, which really was more like 50 to 60 hours a week. And then on the weekends, I would be like a Jaeger girl at a bar and serve shots of Jaeger just to make some extra money to, you know, either buy a flight or order him pizza over the phone because he couldn't afford rent. He lived on like Pop-Tarts and ramen. And then I would babysit any night that I had free just to make even more money. So I see a lot now of these girls that are younger and they're with their, their significant other, whether it's their boyfriend, their fiance or their spouse. And trust me, I understand like the longing to be with that person because it is hard and it is sad and stuff. But, you know, it puts almost more pressure on them for their successes. If you know, everyone is constantly like, well, they're the only people that make money. So I never wanted to put that burden on Liam. And I also never wanted to put that burden on myself as I had to love the lifestyle. Because I think that if I would have put the burden on myself of 
I have to love this. I'm so blessed. This is such a blessing. I would have actually not liked it at all because it wasn't my choice. It would have just been something I, I had to do. And the way that we worked it is this became a choice for me. This became a choice for our relationship. But anytime that Liam was sent down, I didn't live with him. I would go back to Florida, which is our home base. Even if I wasn't necessarily employed employed, I would babysit, I would pick up shifts, I would help do whatever I could so that it wasn't like, well, now we have no money, what do we do? And then the pressure is to get back. You know, I I never wanted that for him. And it created a sense of respect between both of us because I was able to do things that I loved for myself, but he was also able to just focus on what he needed to focus on and not worry about, you know, how to pay this bill or that bill because I was there for him. I love that. I love the way that you put that too, because I think that's also such a misconception that baseball players like right off the bat make all of this money and they don't at all. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. I know I have friends that same thing, like four guys live all in one apartment with a bunch of mattresses on the floor and it you just, you make it work. But I love that you have like your own separate drive. So after he kind of like got called up and everything and you guys were, got married, you started your own boutique. Is that like when it started or you kind of started later on? Yeah. So actually for the field apparel used to be called the swanky paper doll. And it was a blog that I am not a blogger. Let's just like put that out there. I can chat your ear off for hours, but I'm not going to write about any life hack. Like that's just not me. And so I attempted to do that more in a sense starting in 2012 to kind of keep my family and friends in the loop about what was going on in my life because it was kind of all over the place. You know, Liam got called up in September of 2011. Like from then on, it was like he was either up or he was down. Nobody knew if we were in Rochester, if we were in Minnesota. I mean, like nobody knew anything about us. And I quite honestly got tired of telling the same story over and over and over again. So I was like, I'm just going to start a little blog. So I started the blog and then realized like I was not meant to be a blogger. And listen, I read blogs all the time and I love blogs. It's just, I am not that. I mean, I just really struggle with like what to write. Cause I'm like, no one cares about this. Like, and then it would throw me all off and I wasn't consistent and everything. So in 2013, we got married in November and on our honeymoon, my husband got DFA, which means designated for assignment, which means you no longer have a job within this organization. Bye-bye. So that was cute because like we're on our honeymoon and you know, that happens. So we'll, you know, crap, like, what are we going to do? And he gets picked up by the Cubs. So now, you know, this has never happened before. So we were like, oh my God, like we're with the Cubs. He's going to have a job now forever. No. On Christmas Eve, he was designated for assignment again. And then like three days after Christmas, he was picked up by the Orioles. And so at this point, I'm like, well, what just happened to me? Like this has been the weirdest off season of my life. So we go to Bird Fest, which is kind of their like giant I don't know how to describe it, like Comic-Con for, you know, the Orioles organization. And I'm like, okay, they've invited us here. We're a part of this now. Like, you know, go birds. Like, I don't, I don't know, you know? And, um, and then in spring training, he's designated again. And I was like, okay, well, this is awful. What in the world is happening with me? So now I have nothing to blog about because it's either sadness or anger and no one wants either of those things, you know? And two, I'm like, I don't even know what to tell people because I don't even know what's going on. So he was picked up by the Blue Jays and it was a real moment for us because 
since 2011, as Liam was a September call-up, in 12 and 13, he made the opening day roster for the Twins. And the Jays said, that's not going to happen this year. So he knew he was starting in AAA, and it really did a number on who he was as a person, and not in a good way. Like, our marriage really went through a trial at that time, because he only knew himself for his successes. And he was a prospect in the Twins organization. And, you know, he was 22 when he debuted. So like, you know, he never knew really how to fail at this point, at least in baseball. He knew how to fail in other aspects of life. Since he was on a professional level, he had yet to really fail. And our marriage really went through the ringer at that point because he started kind of treating me differently because he was so insecure with himself. He would call out my own insecurities and kind of be mean to me. And our marriage really went through a trial at that point. And I'm side note, I am a huge proponent for therapy in counseling. It is so great, but that's like a whole other podcast. But in saying that, he ended up going to the Jays and then kind he was called up for a few spot starts here and there, but you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a guy for the Jays in 2014. They were like, okay, well your depth, like this is, this is great. And we're going to use you, but we're also just going to use you. Like we don't really have a future plan with you. And so he was, you know, he was bouncing around. He made the 2014 AAA all-star game. He won the MVP of that game. He was the starting pitcher. Pitchers don't win MVP usually. So that was huge. And then he was traded at trade deadline for one of our friends, Danny Valencia, on the Kansas City Royals. And we were traded with Eric Kratz for Danny Valencia, and we swapped teams. And then they told us flat out, they were like, okay, you're going to be a part of the Royals team, but you are going to, again, be depth. Like, you're not going to be a guy for us. But at that point, Liam was just like, okay, well... I have a job. Like I have to be happy with a job. So we went to AAA in Omaha, which I had never experienced in my life. Our hotel was literally in the middle of a cornfield, which I grew up in Ohio. So I know all about cornfields, but I had never experienced baseball, not in a city before. And don't get me wrong. Omaha is hundred percent a city. It's just very different than like New York. So that was like a whole thing. And, um, We went through that. He got called up with the Royals and then we were up for the rest of the time, but then he didn't make the playoff roster. And so that was like another blow to his ego because he just, you know, had no idea how to not be the guy. And he had thought like, okay, I overcame this and I did this. And then I was this guy and then they traded me. So they saw value, but oh wait, I'm still not good enough to be here. So I would say 2014 was a really rocky point in our marriage in the fact of just like, it brought out a lot of insecurity in my husband that he had never had to deal with before. And I'm the type of person when I get an adverse reaction for someone, I'm going to try 10 times harder. And he is too, but he had to get over himself first. So we ended up saying, okay, well, you know, screw it. We're going to play winter ball in the Dominican and have that experience and get people to see that he is good and that he works hard and things. And while we're in the Dominican, after my husband had won pitcher of the week in the Dominican, we were DFA by the Royals. So like, it was just, and we were like, we cannot, what the heck? Like we're trying everything we're doing. We're going extra hard. We're trying to show that we're dedicated to the sport. And I say we, because I'm the one that has to pack him up and stuff all the time. So we are dedicated to the sport and stuff. And here we are DFA'd again. Well, the next day, the Jays picked him back up. And 
to be very honest with you, we were like, okay, well, look what happened last year. The Jays picked us up and we were just depth. Like, what does this look like? Well, the good thing is this time is my husband was out of options. So he was either in spring training, he was making or breaking the team. Like there was no limbo of, well, you have options so we can send you up and send you down and use you when needed. It was like, no, like if you're going to pick me up and you're going to put me on your 40 man roster, there is more of a chance I'm going to make the team than prior. So we go into spring training and they just told him flat to his face. They said, our rotation is locked. You're going to be in the bullpen. And that's the only way that you're going to have an opportunity or chance to make this team. So he thankfully made the team. And then he started to thrive in his role because he was like, okay, well, I'm the underdog. I'll show you what the underdog will do. So long story short, in that year, we were DFA'd and on five different teams in a five-month span. And I just couldn't afford, you know, like a Blue Jays top and a Royals top and a Twins top and a Cubs and an Orioles. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, like so many of these teams are the same colors, but like I can't wear this to this game and that to this game. And I'm like, why is there not just like a generic brand that you can wear? So whether you're in high A or you're in the major leagues, like you can wear the same color because of course, none of the colors in the minor leagues are the same as the major leagues because that'd be too smart and easy. So I just saw all this niche and I was like, I'm going to just fly with it. I love clothes and I love fashion, but my background is forensics. So it has nothing to do with fashion, but I was like, I love to shop. I love small businesses. So hopefully everyone will like me. I already had garnered a little bit of a following because of the swanky paper doll. And I was on say yes to the dress. And so a lot of people hated me and a lot of people loved me. And, and so I kind of had like a little bit of a following. So I'm like, let's just try it. And at that point I was like, I feel like I know everybody in baseball now. Cause I've been on every single team at this point. So I will just reach out to the girls that I know and say, Hey, I'm starting this. Could you repost it in your story? Could you like things like, I mean, I am not too proud to beg like absolutely. And, um, I started with four designs. They sold out within 36 hours and it just built from there. And so it was swanky paper doll for a while. And then a few years ago, I changed it to for the field apparel because I was like, people are like, Oh yeah, I'm wearing a shirt from the swanky paper doll. And people are like, what, what's that? You know? And it had no context to what I was doing now versus then. So I switched it, but I still have the same logo. And so that's how it was born. And now I have over, I think 50s or 60 designs. I do children's, I do accessories, meaning like coffee mugs, tumblers, bags, and obviously all women's clothing. I did a little bit of men's stuff briefly, but I found that it didn't sell as much because a lot of the people who do buy my brand want it to be like a baseball wife or married to the game guys don't really want that because they get their free Under Armour and Adidas and Nike stuff. So it just doesn't apply. Yeah, your story, I'm left speechless because just the amount of mental capacity, I can't even imagine like you as the significant other, you literally can't do anything. He is told these things over and over again. And you have to be that supportive person for him after he gets that defeat answer over and over. But I I just applaud you for staying in it. And look what is just born out of it. I mean, you have this brand that probably would have never come up if you didn't have moved to all those places. So I just I admire you and everything about you because your spirit is so joyful for being through all that because you could have easily been angry and just not into it. But I'm so glad that you took the opposite 
since you were so busy supporting him and doing all the moves and the transitions and trying to keep up with him, you have like your people that you have found in this industry that those are your girls. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the most key things you can do in any game that you're in, whether you're in basketball, football, hockey, baseball, soccer, whatever it is, you need your key core group. And I'm honestly blessed to say that I do. I have a really strong group. I have my off season friends, which they're my all season friends, but you know, like the people that I hang with in the off season that have watched Liam come up the minor leagues too, because they've been in my life for so long. And it's so nice to have them because they're a breath of fresh air, because even though they understand the game, it doesn't completely involve their whole life. But then it's also really nice to have your core group of friends in baseball, no matter like what team they're on, who their husband's playing for. Because when you have those moments of like nobody understands, they do. And that is so key and so clutch in this lifestyle. And it's really nice too, because then if you're ever traded or DFA'd or released and you sign somewhere else, you usually know someone who knows someone if you don't know one person on that team, which helps with just like you kind of getting into a better mental space whenever that happens in general. I love that. I feel like it's such a small world too with sports and it's so cool that you can like build relationships and, you know, friends of friends when you move to those different places and it's like a new, whole new world. But when you were telling your story and him being DFA'd and traded and that whole crazy transition, I was just thinking like, did you have to pack up and move every single time? And like, like, how did you do that? Did you go to every single place with him? Do you like typically do that? Do you guys have a home base? What do you guys do? Yeah, so our home base is Florida because Liam is from Australia and I grew up up north and I was working in Florida at the time when we met each other and he played for the Twins. So it was easier for us to be in Florida, which is like a spring training home for the Twins. And of course, as soon as we like decide to put down roots there, you know, we're upended, but that's such as life. When he was in the minor leagues, I would just visit. So obviously when he played in high A, he was based in Fort Myers, which Fort Myers was home for me. We did not live together at that point, but it was easier because when he would go on the road, he would, you know, he would go to Port St. Lucie, things like that. And he wasn't flying all over. So he would be home within a few days. When he was in double A, he was in New Britain and I didn't live with him in New Britain So I would just visit. So he was in charge of his moving, which was like two suitcases at the most, you know? Then um, when he went to Rochester, when he was called up initially to AAA, I was still just visiting. I was working full time, but I did go with him when he was called up, which was really fun and exciting because I happened to be with him, visiting him in AA when it happened. So that was really exciting because I remember walking into Rochester, the Red Wings, and the stadium was gigantic to me. And now, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like a tiny stadium, but it's like not what I see now. Like the Coliseum here in Oakland is ginormous, you know? So it's it's so funny how your perspectives are. And then when he was called up to the twins, I just went to visit him like for his debut and things like that. I didn't live with him in the month of September because he was living in a hotel. And again, I was still working. We were not engaged and I don't care. I'm not one of those people like, oh, you have to be engaged to live together. No, that was just, that was just us. So then we got engaged in February of 2012. And, um, I still didn't move with him for that season. I went obviously for opening day because I'd never experienced that in my life. That was super exciting. I stayed with him for that, like home 
series. And then I was back and forth again. And then in 2013, I finally moved with him, which was the season right before we got married in November of 2013. And we were only up for 10 days and then we were sent down. And then I tried to live in the Rochester hotel. We never had an apartment there, but it was really hard. And then I realized, okay, well, we're not getting the same type of money. I should work. And and then it just went back and forth. But since we have been with the Blue Jays to the Royals to the Blue Jays to the A's, I've lived with him and I have probably packed us up and moved over 40 times. You know, it's funny because while that sounds awful, and trust me, it is, you would think that one would get smarter and like pack less every year. No, I collect so much crap. I mean, I'm thinking about like moving in the next 20 days to go home for like the end of season because postseason is kind of looking like it's going to be in a bubble. Like nobody has any idea of what's actually going to happen yet. So like, do not quote me on that, but I'm not going to be able to be with him without quarantining and with having like 17 animals, which we don't have 17, but it feels like that in a hotel room. That would be awful for all of us. And most likely one of us would probably be dead. Like I would kill him or he would kill me or, you know, it would just be awful. So I'm thinking ahead of like, okay, so in like, you know, 20 days I'm moving. Okay. In 18 days I'm moving and I'm like spiraling. And I started kind of packing yesterday and my husband came home from the field and he was like, what happened? And I was like, don't even just don't, you can't talk about crap because literally you do nothing. So just stop. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. We think like we move a lot in football, but that is like 40 times. Girl, you must have like a list, like all those points. I can't even imagine all those flights. Yeah, those flights are not a joke. Yeah, I mean, the frequent flyer miles, I joke all the time and say that like my dog has more frequent flyer miles than the normal person too. And that says a lot because my dog does not go with me everywhere. (laughs) So That's so funny. Well, I do have one last question before we wrap everything up. So if you could tell yourself one thing that you know now, what would it be? When I was thinking about this earlier, I think it was or is the biggest misconception in life. And it's not just about baseball, but obviously in baseball, you really think about it a lot. You do not have to be friends with everyone. You do not have to be liked by everyone. And when Liam was called up, well, actually not even when Liam was called up, like when he was in high A, I had my friends in Florida. So like, and also like nobody was really dating anyone in high A other than like the people who maybe came out of college or had high school sweethearts, but nobody, you know, is like dating, dating seriously other than those select people. So it didn't matter. But then like when I went to New Britain, I will never, ever forget. I sat with the Boosters Club because the girls, they were clicky and they had all like come up together. And I took it really offensively because I find myself to be like a super open and outgoing person. I was a cheerleader my whole life. I cheered professionally too. And so I just, you know, thought everybody liked everybody and, and, you know, we're kind of all in this together. Well, in fact, we are not all in this together. And so I kind of started to avoid them. And then when I was in AAA, you know, you have personalities that are just very different from you. You have personalities that they've been in the game for a long time. So they're kind of just like, whatever. And they are kind of like where I am now is like, I don't need to be friends with everyone and and everything like that. And then you also have people that are just jealous that like your husband's getting the call and theirs isn't. 
or, you know, whatever's going on. And I remember going to Minnesota for Liam's debut and I thought we were going to be like wags and not like party and stuff, but like we were the clique that like you see on TV shows, you know what I mean? And, um, no, I was totally rookieized very quick and veterans, um, are a lot more open now, but when I came up, I mean, there were guys that were in the game for 18 years and their wives did not play and they weren't necessarily rude. It was just like, you know, we have kids, I have a life, I have this, I have that. And then there were wives that weren't so kind to me, like just being very transparent. And I think that that's anywhere though, but I used to be so devastated. Like I would get back into the hotel because yes, we lived in a hotel at that point. And um, I would get back to the hotel and just sob and be like, I don't know why they don't invite me to things. I don't know why they don't like me. I don't know why they like snicker at me in the stands. And it was a very traumatic experience for me because again, I just had this different idea of what it was going to be like. And, you know, I mean, you always set yourself up for disaster essentially in anything. It's like buying cookies and then being like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Like, I know I'm going to eat all the cookies. Like I set myself up for disaster. It was like a traumatic experience. I'm not going to lie. And over the years, and maybe it's just because we've moved around so much now, but I realized that like, not everyone is going to be my cup of tea and I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea too, but we can all get along. We all don't necessarily need to be BFFs. And if I could like tell myself anything, that would have saved me so much internal stress and grief. Just knowing that like everything's going to work out. People are going to be your friends and people aren't going to be your friends. And you're going to have relationships with people to this day that started 10 years ago. And then there are going to be people that like, it just, it is what it is. But you have that in any step of your life. Like think about that in high school, you know, you go back to your high school days and I'm like, okay, well my high school reunion is going to be so great. And then I think to myself and I'm like, I didn't really have like a giant close posse of friends back then. Like my high school reunion is probably gonna be terrible, you know? And, and you see on Instagram that like people from high school still hang out. And I'm like, I haven't seen people from high school in decades, you know? And, and it's the same as in baseball. And like, I love the closeness and camaraderie that baseball can bring because nobody understands this lifestyle, like another girl in the game. And also this is like a completely different thing is be kind to everyone because you never know who you're going to play with again. You never know who you actually are going to need one day, which has been very interesting in my life. (laughs) I seriously love the way that you put that and honestly love how raw and authentic you are because that's something that's not said and people just go about thinking, oh, well, everyone should like me just like you said, and it's not the case all the time. So I love that you just went out there and said it. And I know our listeners will really appreciate that too, but we've had so much fun with you. I feel like we could talk to you for like hours. (laughs) Thanks. I had such a good time. I love getting to know people in the game that I don't know in the game because they're in a different game. And like I said, every girl in the game is potentially could be one of your best friends because they're the only people that understand. And I think it's so cool when the games clash because there's so much that like, I don't know about your sport and so much you don't know about my sport. And it's so fun to, you know, touch base about that stuff because here you are thinking like, your life's the craziest. And then you hear someone else's story and it just 
pitter patters off everything. And you just always become more grateful for what you have and your circle because of it. Very much agreed. And we'll have to have you back on again, because I feel like you just have all the wisdom. I have learned so much from this episode. And I just want to thank everyone for listening to this. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this interview on More Than a Season podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season underscore Women's Guide for the latest updates. You can also follow our personal Instagram accounts at Ashley M. Kramer and Britt Labby. We would love it if you would download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. Thank you so much. See you next time.